This podcast is part of the Game and Entertainment Network. Visit tgenetwork.net to find the latest episodes from all our shows. I'm sorry, are you sure this is the podcast you were looking for? Really? Okay then. Welcome to the Pixels and Dice Podcast. Every week, our sad little team discusses gaming in various forms, make stupid wisecracks, and generally embarrass themselves quite well with their so-called expert opinions. Remember, you did this to yourself. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Scormus. I'm Beolus. And so, uh, what's been going on with you lately? Well, since the... Uh... Um, summer event is over on Guild Wars 2. I've gotten back to collecting mastery points that I don't have for Heart of Thorns and uh, getting some achievements taken care of that I've been uh, procrastinating on. Nice. You know, like feeding Hungry Hal, which is kind of a silly one. You know, you, you spend five days collecting apples to feed this poor bastard up on a cliffside. Never once offer to, you know, take him to town or something. You just leave him up on the cliff. <laughs> yeah. Apparently he likes it there. No shelter with uh, veteran earth elementals about 50 feet away. Yeah, whatever works. Uh, and he's eating apples. Ten apples per day. From each player. Yes. Can you imagine the intestinal issues he's going to have? He's got lots of fiber in his diet. A lot of the green apple quick step. That too. <laughs> and like I said, it's just a flat piece of rock that he's living on. Nice. So he must be hanging it off the edge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a mental image. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. Oh, most definitely. But, you know, the whole reason I'm doing the, uh, um, doing this hungry how one is because you get some silly, title that goes along with it and i just proceeded to blow most of the uh, free money i'd been stockpiling i spent a thousand gold um to get a title it's the um i'm rich you know that's your whole title <laughs> <laughs> okay. but I'm, I'm i'm exalted with the with this circus i'm basically one of their uh patrons and uh so I, I can go to the circus anytime I want and I've got this title and everybody knows me and blah, blah, blah. It's basically a waste of a thousand gold, but you know what? I've, I've had that thousand gold and I was doing jack shit with it for well over a year because I, I was going to do this last year and I decided, eh, I could probably use it on something. And I never Apparently did. not. <laughs> so I spent it and I don't feel bad. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. But having fun. That's, That's all. good. Um, me, I'm just more of the same. Uh, still live streaming. Been doing a lot of uh, Lord of the Rings online, obviously. But but I managed to overcome a technical step I was having problems with. And I'm going to try live streaming um, Elder Scrolls Online. By the time you've heard this, I've already done this weeks ago. But... That might be, in addition to Trove and a few other games, one of my go-tos. Because I don't know. It, it was just so boring. It got so boring so fast. 
well, that's why I'm going to give it a try. I only paid 10 bucks for it. I'm not saying don't try it. I'm saying I don't see it lasting. But then again, you live stream Latro, which is just as boring. So you'll probably oh. have a great time. Oh, you're so harsh. It's true. The, the thing is, from what I understand, both Elder Scrolls Online and Lord, Lord of the Rings Online have pretty dedicated player bases. And obviously, Elder Scrolls Online is a much larger game. It has more people viewing it, but not that many people live streaming it. That's why I decided to give it a shot, because let's be honest, as a live streamer, I need attention. I need to get noticed. So that's what I'm trying to do. That's why I'm doing, trying to do Trove. That's why I'm trying to do Elder Scrolls Online. That's why I try to do Diablo 3. You know, people mm -hmm. say, well, why don't you play World of Warcraft? Because just the other night, I went and looked. I stopped counting at a thousand people that were streaming in the middle of the night. And I hadn't even scratched how many people there were. Most of them had nobody watching. Nobody. So why are you bothering? Thing is, though, is if you're not in the top 15 to 20 on the page, you know, on the main page mm -hmm. for a game, nobody's going to find you. Most people don't scroll down that far. So if you're not in the top 20, 15 to 20, you might as well just sit there with nobody watching. So why do you bother? I mean, sure. Oh, you can stream it for fun. Or you could play that game for fun when you're not streaming and go stream something that actually helps your channel. That's why I'm going to give Elder Scrolls Online a shot. Because instead of, I, I'll be honest, I, 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 I love Lotro. And I have a dedicated amount of people who watch my show because I stream Lotro. But they've watched me stream other things too. And they've been fine with it for the most part. When there's, Less than 100 people watching that game worldwide while I'm streaming. And there's only a few people streaming it. So, you know, it's a way to get uh, 10 to 15 people watching you, right? That's decent for a starting uh, streamer, right? It's a pretty good mm -hmm. start. Or, or I could be streaming a game where there are thousands of people watching that game and maybe 20 people total that are streaming it. So you can easily get into the top 15, actually get noticed, and maybe get a larger amount of people watching you. 20, 30, 40, more. That's a pretty good jump. And if I can actually stomach it, because as I've said before, I played in the uh, open beta for Elder Scrolls Online, and I know... That was a long time ago, and I know the game has probably changed a lot. But my best description was, it's gray and brown and boring. And yes, it is. It's gray and brown and boring. And the thing I didn't like was the uh, when you finally get a mount, you can once per day go to a stable, spend money, and get 1% to one of these three abilities the the mount speed the mount stamina and i can't remember what the other one was is that a permanent increase yeah but it's a it's a pretty expensive amount of money it just didn't seem worth it maybe not but also it might just be a way that they're 
for the you know end game people it's a money sink a way for them oh, yeah. to beef up their mount when they've got nothing else to do with their money and you can always tell the players who've been playing a long time because they come riding through and they just they're just blowing past everybody else so it, you know for the long term players yeah it definitely adds something to it because they're they're now able to do something that nobody else is doing or very few else are doing. Yeah. Seems kind of reasonable to me. I don't know. It was just one of those things. It's like, nah, it's not worth the effort to me. Anyway. So yeah, that's kind of off topic. What we were going to talk about today. What were we going to talk about today? Um, weren't you going to talk about uh, Pathfinder two? Actually, I thought you were going to talk about Pathfinder well, two. I intended to. Yes, but that's what we were planning on. <laughs> I understand there's a playtest underway. Yes, but I seem to remember um, some shows ago where we were talking about uh, D&D going through all these changes, you know, first edition, second edition, third edition, etc. And that, you know, they should they should do something. You know, fifth edition should stick and just stay the way it is and not add more editions, kind of like Pathfinder was doing. And then we find out that uh, actually Pathfinder is doing a they're working on a play test for second edition Pathfinder. Yeah, that's kind of embarrassing. We should have known know. that. It uh, was announced back in May or March, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, but we've been focusing on fifth edition, so Pathfinder, sure. we haven't paid any attention to anything involving Pathfinder because that's, you know, in the past. Uh, you know, kind of. We'll Pathfinder see. has its place. It, it can be fun. I enjoy but, it. When I found out about it, I started looking into it. And, of course, you know, I went to your standard sites and started watching their videos on it. And, you know, uh, Dawncast, or wasn't that what it was called? Dawnforgecast. Dawnforgecast, yeah. The, they had a video about it, and they were talking about how, you know, um, basically they were rating 5th edition versus Pathfinder 2 from what they've seen of the, you know, the playtest. And how, you know, Pathfinder 2 has all these rules for being able to do everything. You know, uh, one of their examples was mounted combat. You know, in 5th edition, you can do mounted combat, but there's not a whole lot of rules around it. So the DM has to basically make up rules or figure out how he wants mounted combat to go. But in Pathfinder 2, they've got specific rules you know this is what you can do in mounted combat this is the benefits you get from being mounted during combat these are the penalties applied these are this these are this you've got just a shit ton of rules based around that action right and they went on to proceed you know enlisting several other um things where fifth edition the rules are vague or they're they're open to interpretation or they're just there's not enough information there for the the DM to easily understand but yet you know in Pathfinder 2 they've got the rules well documented they're well written they're easy to understand you know boom 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 this is how it's done and that was part of my problem with Pathfinder the original it was too many rules. Everything was honed in. This is how it's done. There was no, you know, 
it's there was no it's up to the DM to just run with it. You know, it's all hard, fast numbers. Uh-huh. And that was what kind of soured me on Pathfinder. Um, whereas fifth edition, once we started playing it, yes, there's a lot of things that are open to interpretation. You know what? I prefer that. Yeah. I don't want to be told exactly how this works. I want to just say, okay, in this situation, I feel it's appropriate to do it this way. So this is how I'm going to do it. The players know that this is my word is how it's going to be done. If they don't like it afterwards, we can discuss it. And if they have a better way of doing it, I'm open to it. But for that adventure, that's how it's going to be done. It just feels better. It's more like, you know, when I play 5th edition, it's like, ah, I'm home. Whereas Pathfinder was like rules upon rules upon rules upon rules. And everything was broken down to numbers, which just takes that the wonder of it. Takes the wonder of D&D and just kind of like, I don't know, it just erases the 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 awe that we used to feel playing the game. You know, the... right wonder the amazement the everything it was just kind of numbers and that really just i don't know it was hard to get past and yes a good dm should be able to get past a system where it's just numbers you should be able to just you know run with it yes and i did the problem is i didn't have fun because everything was numbers and i had to constantly just keep getting past their way of doing things instead of the way i wanted to do things and I just didn't have fun doing that. Right. So with with Pathfinder 2, they've gone even further. You know, the, the reviews I'm reading is, yes, it's an amazing system. But you have to be, you know, a theoretical mathematician to comprehend the, the vast number of rules upon rules upon rules for everything. It just, I don't know, it... You know, I'm hoping they're successful. I really am. Yeah. But it's it's like the whole reason we got away from Pathfinder. Number two is just going even further away from what we like. Right. And uh, yes, I'm sure Pathfinder 2 is going to have a lot of fans because there are some people that's how they're that's what they're comfortable with. They need those rules. If they don't have those rules, they can't function as a DM. Or as a player. So, I mean, it, it's going to be fine for some people, but for me, I just I don't like it. I haven't, you know, read it over, or obviously I haven't ran it, so I could be completely wrong. But from things I've been seeing, there's stuff like they completely overhauled the feat system. Mm-hmm. So now, used to be you, would, you had a big list of feats, and obviously, you know, a fighter's not going to take meta magic feats and things like that if they're just a straight fighter. But now there's certain feats that are locked to this class and that class only, which takes mm-hmm. away a lot of the hybridization yeah. that was possible in the original Pathfinder, where you could make, I could have a standard straight up fighter, but then my sweetie, Ten Knife, she made a fighter that was ranged based and people would go, well, why didn't you just make a ranger? Well, because she wanted a fighter, but she wanted it to be more bow-based than melee. 
And thus, Mm -hmm. she was able to, with feats, make it the way she wanted it. Now, that's more limited. And like you were saying, you know, it's very complex and it's very set up. You know, I look at it as more, just from what I'm seeing, comparing Pathfinder 2nd Edition. And obviously, it's just a play test. It's not their final version to 5th Edition D&D and comparing them. One being Pathfinder 2nd Edition, is like an Erector set. You have a very specific set of instructions. Here's your pieces, and you put it together this specific way so that it works. And when it works, it's a really, you can make all kinds of really cool devices with it and toys and whatnot, but it, you have to put it together very specifically with the right tools and with these very specific pieces. Meanwhile, fifth edition is a box of Legos, just assorted Legos, not a set, just a bunch of Legos in a bucket. Have fun. You can you can only put them together certain ways. I mean, sometimes, you know, they're not going to hook together right, but you can make whatever you want with it. Well, and you were talking about how you wanted a, uh, you know, a character that was this class, but had this ability. Mm-hmm. That was one of my favorite things is when I would make a rogue, I always liked to take the uh, the magic feat where they were like a, an initiate magic user. So they would gain like one um, cantrip. Uh-huh. And for, you know, a rogue, having the ability to cast a light spell when you're creeping through the dark and you need just a little bit of light or something along those lines, like, you know, the do the prestidigitation to make sounds so that the guards go chasing the sound so you can escape, you know, all these little, little things that would help out a rogue. Now it's, it's not as easy to do something like that in Pathfinder second edition. Right. So I, I don't know. I, mean, I, I guess I'm just, you could still multi-class, but then that's not exactly the same character, is it? Well, I mean, it would work, but when you're taking that magic feat, you don't have to put any levels in wizard or whatever. You're just straight on rogue and you have the ability to cast a couple of cantrips. You know, I always thought that was a kind of cool thing. Yeah. And it's the cost of one feat, one real simple little feat. Boom. You know, it was, I had a wizard in uh, Pathfinder mm-hmm. who took the feat to where medium leather that's a significant uh difference yeah that was that was a really helpful because you know her being able to wear leather gave her more armor gave her access because for the most part most of the armor we were finding that was magical was leather armor and so she was able to get a pretty decent set of leather armor fairly early on and she could still cast her spells because it wasn't high enough that it affected her ability to cast spells yet. Right. So, but yeah, there's all kinds of new, uh, um, they've, they've done a lot of simplification. Um, let's see here. What in Pathfinder two? Yeah. Uh, they've got it listed as uh, combat actions. You can make a flat three actions per turn and taking more of those three or some of those, um, like if you have three attacks or three actions per round or per turn, um, 
if you cast a spell, a, ca a spell may cost you two actions just because it's a bigger, badder spell. Mm -hmm. And so, I don't know, I just, I guess it's one of those things, this is way too early to be making any uh, summary judgments. But they've got listed in here that um, classes and monsters will have unique reactions. Like a fighter may have an AoE reaction, where and a red dragon may be able to absorb a fire spell that is shot at it and shoot it back at you. Huh. You know, yes, those are kind of cool. Yeah. We'll just have to see. Well, if we had a, you know, a, a steady gaming group that we uh, weren't trying to just, you know, play our fifth edition group that we've got going, if we didn't have anything that we we're playing at this time, I wouldn't mind running a little Pathfinder 2 just to see how it all comes out, see how it plays out, but I don't want to stop the game that we've already got going for that. Right. It's just, it. I don't think it was a necessary change, and that's what well, bugs me the most about it. I mean, yes, we're not playing Pathfinder anymore. We stopped that because, well, D&D 5th Edition is just better, in my opinion. Well, and if you listen to the uh, the comments... We've got people saying that uh, Pathfinder um, 2, the biggest problem you've got with it is if you don't map out your character from level 1 to level 20, figuring out exactly what you're going to take, um, you know, plot, map out the entire thing. If you don't do that, you're going to gimp yourself and your character's not going to be effective because you chose the wrong option. But then that's you know, min max or talk. So well, that's not entirely unknown though, either. If you remember Warhammer fantasy roleplay, Oh yeah. You'd start with a basic character and you had to go, okay, I need to go from this profession to that profession, to this profession, to that profession, you know, mapping out how this one moves into this one so that I can get that one. And then eventually end up there so that I get the skills and abilities I want to have. Yeah. But we're talking like four profession jumps, period. That's not the same thing as mapping out your entire career from level one to 20. That's a huge amount. So, yeah. Well, and, you know, other contents, people are talking about uh, people hate the, uh, the core rule book from Pathfinder. And the original? Yes. It's too technical. It's just too much information. So they're trying to get Pathfinder 2 streamlined so it's more like 4th edition D&D. &D. Hmm. You know, easy combat, easy everything. Everything is kind of like a video game. And, I mean, I certainly hope they don't actually go that way because we all know what a steaming pile 4th edition was. Well, Fourth edition has its fans, but yes. for the most part, most people who were playing D and D did Hated not. It. They they ran, not walked to fifth edition. They were like, "Oh, look, a new edition! Let's get rid of all these books and buy all the new fifth. Yeah, the fifth edition is where it's at. If you are a D and D player, or moreover, if you just enjoy fantasy role playing." That's where you need to be. But Pathfinder, for, especially for those who are really into the Pathfinder uh, society mm -hmm. and following the official 
um, storyline and getting their characters officially part of that world, I could see where that, that has its appeal, but there was nothing wrong with the original Pathfinder. Yes, the game's 10 years old or so, but they're basically throwing out the baby with the bathwater. I know Paizo wants to sell more books because they need to survive as a company, but creating a whole new system for the game just so that they can sell the core books again, which, by the way, the core books is what? The original rule book, there's a player's guide, and the bestiary? Am I missing? Am I forgetting one of the books? I think that's it. And you don't even really need the player's guide, per se, do you? Kind of. I mean, it's certainly helpful, but the core book is the most important one, right? And, of course, a bestiary. Yeah. So, I just, that's just, I mean, put out a couple new books, or create an unofficial fork, you know, like a, the New Age, Pathfinder, the New Age. I mean, they made a, um, Starfinder, their science fiction version. Mm-hmm. So just create a new offshoot of Pathfinder and let the people that wanted to continue playing Pathfinder continue and continue to support that system with new books. That way they wouldn't lose people because I can guarantee you they're going to lose players. They're going to, just like when Wizards of the Coast decided, hey, let's abandon 3.5 and create a fourth edition. A lot of people went, yeah, fuck that. We're sticking with 3.5. And then eventually a lot of those people went to Pathfinder just like we did Mm -hmm. because it was essentially 3.5 more condensed and coalesced into a, you know, slightly different system. Mm -hmm. It was close enough that you could still use 3.5 books to support your Pathfinder if you wanted to. Yeah. and. This, they're essentially going fourth edition. It's, I'm not saying it's like fourth edition per se, but they're making the same mistake that Wizards of the Coast made. And I'll, a lot of those players are either going to stick with Pathfinder or 3.5, or they're going to go, hey, you know, I used to play 3.5, and I've been playing this Pathfinder and 3.5 for a long time, and now Paizo just tossed us out. It screwed us over. You know what? I'm going to go check out that fifth edition. This may be great for Wizards of the Coast, but I don't see it helping Paizo that much. Well, and Paizo is uh, basically unabashedly stealing from fifth edition. I mean, they may say that they're not, but they are. Yeah. Because in fifth edition, how does death work? I don't know. Why don't you, uh, basically when you hit zero hit points, you're unconscious and every turn you have to roll a a constitution save. I think it is if you succeed and it's a, the DC is only 10. So if you get above 10, great. If you get below 10, you fail and you take one, you know, you get one mark of failed death saving throw. And if you succeed, you get one succeeded and if you get three of one or the other you either come back with one hit point or you die permanently wow with pathfinder 2 
the way it's listed is they have they have a chance to stave off death via death saving throws. The actual mechanic involving death has been overhauled. Basically, players gain levels of death with every saving throw they fail. When a player first hits zero, they gain the dying condition one. With every death saving throw they fail, a player goes from dying one to dying two and so on. Once a player hits dying four, their character actually dies. This is a pretty big change from the current rule set in which the player's negative hit points with each saving throw they fail. A player only dies when their negative hit points equal their constitution score, which is typically 10 or higher. In the current rule set, a player simply needs to make a constitution saving throw of a DC 10 to become stable and stop dying. Right. So it's yeah. just it well, just sounds like they're just stealing directly from 5th edition, which, you know, is not a bad thing. No, I mean, if you... If- the the big new because let's be honest Pathfinder was basically taken Wizards of the Coast's lunch with oh, fourth yeah. edition they kicked fourth edition's ass then fifth edition came out and said oh yeah um hey yeah we're D and D this is the D and D you remember only better and all the fans came back well not all. But most. No. There's a big old upsurge, and now the big game to play, you're playing tabletop role-playing, is D&D 5th Edition. So if they're going to borrow from somebody, they pretty much got two choices. And uh, World of Darkness, that system doesn't really work with Pathfinder. Yep. That would then be so. More tweaks towards World Yeah, I could see that. What? Oh, just, you know, trying to mix D&D and uh, um, the World of Darkness system. Oh, you're trying to mix World of Darkness and D&D? Yeah, that's what I just said. Well, your volume was cutting out. It'd be kind of weird, but also, well, it was because I was muttering to myself. I do that, you know. I'm old and stupid. Anyway. It's not stupidity, it's dementia. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Anywho. Yes, anyhow. So, um, there was something else I wanted to talk about today. Yes, there is. Briefly. Um, recently, and we've talked about this a lot, we've talked about Storyteller's Vault from uh, White Wolf and how online you can buy um, digital versions of the World of Darkness books, you know, Vampire, Werewolf, and now Mage recently got added. And that's great, but also they give you all the tools you need. If you like to write homebrew books, you can write your own source books for these games and either give them away for free or sell them and get 50% of the profits. Mm -hmm. And that's really spiffy. No one else does anything like that. It's really kind of amazing. Well, the last time we talked about this, because they had just Vampire out for a year that's all they supported then a couple months ago they added werewolf and werewolf the wild west and i was like that's kind of cool they also put out rules you know stuff for uh dark ages werewolf too so that was like awesome and then six weeks or so later they said hey now we're adding mage and that was really spiffy and i joked that oh you know Pretty soon, they'll be adding in another game. You know, maybe by the end of the year, we'll have 
Wraith in there. You maybe they'll add, you know, Changeling next, and then Wraith by the end of the year, and that'll be great. And you know, maybe they'll add in, you know, one of their other systems like uh, Exalted, which was their kind of fantasy game. And yeah, um, uh, just recently they announced, yeah, they're adding Exalted. It'll give a specific time frame, and it won't be in with the Wizards of the Coast section. It's going to have its own section, but they're adding Exalted to the uh, Storyteller's Vault. So that tells me that, um, oh, God, they had a sci-fi game as well for a while, and Mm -hmm. I can't remember the name of it, but that's probably going to end up there eventually. This is just White Wolf going, oh, yeah, y'all enjoying buying your books and your hard copies and all that, and Oh, okay, yeah. We'll be over here in the future doing the digital thing and uh, letting everybody that, you know, all of our community that likes to do homebrew, we're going to let them make money off of their hard work. And yeah, and, uh, by the way, fuck you guys. We're making all the money. Well, I hope they do because it's a brilliant concept. <sighs> There's a lot of talented people out there who have a lot of good ideas that they don't have the connections to actually, you know, get on the, you know, the, the crew of world of darkness to actually make the, you know, the, the official books, right. But their books are good enough to be uh, used by the community. And if they can make a couple bucks on it, you know, more power to them. Yeah. I'm just hoping that instead of them going to changeling and Wraith who were, Let's be honest, Changeling is an interesting book, but it wasn't a great game, and Wraith was Wraith. Yeah. And then, of course, there's Demon and all that, yeah, whatever. Uh, I want to see Hunter added next. Yeah. That would be... I enjoyed Hunter quite a bit. It's an interesting freaking game. It's a nice counterpoint to the World of Darkness. I mean, you could play it as its own games, completely separate from the world of darkness, or you can make hunter characters and run them uh, using the rules directly out of vampire and werewolf and whatnot to throw up against the hunters. That's just fucking spiffy. Oh yeah. And you know, like like I've said, I've played a lot of different great games. I'm still a huge D and D fan boy from, you know, the late 70s but nobody innovates like white wolf yeah that's why i regret them not doing their uh mmo yeah that's world of darkness online that would have been fucking awesome it would have it would have been amazing and i hope that someday somebody picks up that idea and can buy the rights off of ccp Maybe when CCP dies because all they support is their Eve line and Eve online may be popular with a very select group of uh, players, but they need to branch out. And that was the whole point of doing World of Darkness online, but they couldn't get characters to walk right. That was their problem. They couldn't, you know. All they can do is ships. They have a hard time with making characters move around. Well, they, they've got a first-person shooter now for Eve, and they couldn't make characters. I, I just Y'all suck over there in Iceland or wherever the fuck CCP is. 
Well, you know, there are thousands of computer software engineers and game designers coming out from colleges every single year all across the country. I'm sure there's more than a few of them who've got that shit already on lockdown. Why don't you hire one of them? I'm sure you won't have to pay them as much as your senior developers. And if that's all it takes to fix your problem, why didn't you do that? Well, a lot of it actually, from what I understand, had to deal with. They needed to put resources back into EVE and focus on their core products. Yeah. In other words, okay. they didn't want to spend money. Well. And that's why, I, as much as I hate to, fucking license. As much as I hate to say it, we're going to need someone like Blizzard to get interested and buy those rights. Because they're the only ones who have the money and the backing to make it happen. Well, and they can already make a somewhat decent looking werewolf. Yeah. I mean, you they can obviously do different art styles. It wouldn't have to be World of Warcraft like, but No, I understand that, but you know, they, they have a functional design character, a template to make a werewolf. Yeah. They basically need the will to do so. And right now, since WoW continues to print money for them, they have no need to do it. And everybody else can't afford to do it. Except for EA, and EA can suck all the dicks. All of them. I wouldn't want them to get their hands on that property. Oh, no. Well, what I would like to see is I'd really like to see Blizzard um, invest something in something other than World of Warcraft and Diablo. You mean like, um, 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 what's that? Well, it's not Titan. It's, uh, oh, their team squad based shooter. Overwatch. Yes. Uh, no, I mean something enjoyable, something (laughs) that's not like a shooter game. I want, they were a long time ago. They were talking about Titan. Yeah. They used the uh, resources from that to make overwatch. Yeah. Because, well, it just wasn't fun. Um, yeah okay sure yes but a lot of the stuff that they think is fun is mind-numbingly boring for most of us players yep so maybe they're not the best judge of what's fun the only reason i would consider them is because they have two things going for them one they are well known for putting things out when it's ready and not just, you know, when it has to be on a certain timetable and rushing stuff out. And secondly, they have shit tons of cash that they can throw into a project. And you know, if that project fails, it's not going to cripple the company. Right. So, yeah, I even though it's monopolistic, a project like World of Darkness would have to go to a company like Blizzard. Someone that could actually nurture it. And make it work and give it the 10 years of development development it would need. Well, I doubt that's ever going to happen. Oh, that's no. the hard part. That ship sailed years ago. Well, because World of Darkness, even though it has a huge amount of fans, it's not, it's not D&D type recognizable. Right. There's a reason why D&D has not one, but two MMORPGs based upon it. Yeah. Oh, wait, what happened to that Pathfinder Online? Does anyone remember? 
That's still out there. Is it? Because mm-hmm. uh, I don't recall anything happening with it in the last couple of years. I I hit catch snippets of things they've done or they're doing to it. Will it actually come out? I don't know. I'm going to look it up. Let's see. Yeah, I agree to that. Well, it has an installer. I saw it on... Uh... <laughs> the web page hasn't been updated since 2015. Hmm. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, like we were saying, D&D has two MMOs based upon it. Yeah. World of Darkness is popular, but it's not quite that popular. Yeah. Anyway, so y'all need to go check out um, Storyteller's Vault. Throw it into the Googles. You can't miss it. They haven't added Exalted yet, or at least by the time you're hearing this, they might have. When we're recording this in uh, late August, it hasn't come out yet. And there's no timetable for it, but soon. Soon. We'll see how that goes. But the last time they said coming soon, it dropped within like six weeks. So I'm hopeful, even though, did we ever play Exalted? No. I own it. Yes. And we planned on playing it, but we never quite got around to it. Yeah. Kind of like in Nominee. Yep. I've got two copies of in Nominee. And a bunch of source books. You buy things, and even though we're not going to play it, you keep buying books for them. You know who needs to have something like uh, Storyteller's Vault? Steve Jackson Games. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. They at least have the smarts and the wherewithal and the interest in innovation that White Wolf has. And they've got the products that could go with it. But uh, I, you know neither here anyway you have anything else for us today no not really yeah me either and we're pushing an hour now so oh i would like to say one thing um rest in peace senator john mccain that's it okay well no it's just you know when aretha franklin died which you know terrible terrible thing everywhere was just you know people saying how horrible it was and yeah there's quite a few things for the senator. Yeah, my Facebook feed's been full of stuff about but McCain today. A good portion of it is just, you know, quick little nothings. They don't talk about what a good person he actually was. He may not have had, you know, the same political affiliations as I did, but he was still one of the good guys. Uh, some of the time, but more often than not, yeah, he made bad decisions, and he towed the line when I wish he hadn't. But Yes. You know. It wasn't until he found out he had terminal cancer that he pushed back against the uh, Republican Party and said, enough is enough. This, this needs to stop. But you know what? We're not – this is not a political podcast. I know. So I'm not going to get into it. That's I was it. just saying. Rest in peace. Yep. A uh, veteran and someone who cared about America died today, and that is uh, sad. Of course, you're hearing this like three weeks later, but whatever. It's still important to say it. Right. Anyway, till next time, I'm Scormus. And I'm Billis. Generic catchphrase ending. Wow, you actually listened to the whole episode? I'm frankly shocked, and have lost a little bit of respect for you, 
to be honest. But since you are obviously a glutton for punishment, why don't you drop by our new website, scoreme.com? It can't be a much bigger time waster than this podcast has been, can it? Actually, yes, it totally can, but check it out anyway.